0: To Totalus Rankium. This week,
1: Emperor Norton.
0: Hello, and welcome to American Presidents Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie.
1: And I'm Rob. And this is our special Corona episode. Yeah. Uh, Not a president, Because we're just going to see if this recording remotely works. And we figured the best way to to really test whether this works properly is to do an episode. But we're we're, going to test it on someone who's not a president. Yeah. Just in case. But that was fascinating. Emperor Norton. Yeah, you've got no idea, have you? Nope. No, this is someone who um, I've had an eye on for a while in terms of doing it. A special episode. Uh, I I found out about Emperor Norton uh, when I started doing research for Washington, bizarrely, like right at the start. And I thought, oh, we've got to do an episode on him at some point. I just never really had a reason to do it. But why not now? Yeah, whilst everyone's in lockdown.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I'm intrigued. So let's okay. uh, let's get started.
1: Okay then. Right, start. Oh no, no I'll let you choose okay. as per usual
0: um how how far back are we because that could make a difference in the color
1: <laughs> depends on how sepia you're going <laughs> yes we uh you can be anywhere between 1818 and 1880 okay. okay so i've got a range of colors to choose from
0: okay um yeah
1: um luminous yellow oh the the most 19th century of colors yes
0: yeah yeah not not like it can't turn into candlelight this is like the bright flashy, yellow, glowy, kind of 80s style.
1: (laughs) Right, okay. No, that's fine. We'll we'll fit that on. Okay. Right, start with Day Glow Yellow. Yes. Yeah, okay. Got it, yeah. And it's sort of rustling and rippling. Uh, You you start to see black as well, and you realise that it's a cordon tape, you know, like like police tape. Oh, (laughs) did they have that, back then? (laughs) <laughs> they um, definitely did. In this version, yes, they did.
0: <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> that's know.
1: all I can think of. Yeah, no, they definitely had Dayglow cordon tape in yeah. 1880. Um, anyway, this cordon tape is keeping back a large crowd. And as you zoom out, you realise there were literally thousands of people lining a street. They're all just sort of watching and lining the street.
0: Is it more just observing, or is it with anger? Is there an emotion?
1: Uh, Sombre. Sombre, but. But also almost a celebration, but a sombre celebration.
0: Like when somebody you don't like dies,
1: that kind of thing? Um, Yeah, pretty much, but not necessarily someone you don't like. um, When someone you do like dies, but you're not, like, really close to them. I'm with you, yeah. Uh, and, And you're pretty much on the money there because you also see, once you've zoomed out, a bit of carriage rolling down the street. And on the carriage is a coffin. And as it c- passes the crowd, everyone starts to cheer and throw flowers. And as it's cheering, it just fades out the sounders. And then Emperor Norton I <laughs> comes up on the screen. I really hope there's a second. <laughs> and then underneath that, it says, Emperor of the United States and Protector of of mexico (laughs) lovely oh i'm intrigued right okay so that's how we're starting have you any idea who this guy is at all not at all no. no so just just you're going into this completely blind right like I do
0: every episode, yeah
1: More so, though, I'm guessing Because usually you've got an idea that they are a president Yeah, yeah Whereas uh, all you know about Emperor Norton the first is that he was an emperor Yeah, yeah. Okay, right, well we're going to start I'm just going to warn you We're more on a Roman than American history footing In terms of reliability of sources here uh, A lot of what I'm going to say in this episode Especially in regards to his early life uh, Can be and has been disputed um, so, just, just be cautious. Have have your Roman head on, basically. So, make up as we go along, essentially. Yeah, yeah, just, just like the cool. historians do. So, with that nice. in mind, we're probably going to start in 1818. Maybe 1819, uh, but almost certainly in London. Interesting. Yeah, it's a new setting for us. George the Third mm. is still king, just, he's about to die. he's, he's on the cusp. How does he know? Uh, he doesn't know much at this time He's going mad uh, he's, oh, yeah, cool. it's, it's the period of time where he was going on His like 50 hour non-stop rants Yeah, George Fourth is a regent Yes, oh, the fat king, fat prince Yes, exactly uh, Hugh Laurie Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, For those of you who haven't watched Blackadder That would just seem weird That House is there yeah. But House is definitely there uh, back nice. before he was cool currently the parliament uh, are discussing the cape colony this is a uh like the cape of good hope sort of that, thing. that's the one we're in modern day south africa but obviously not in modern day you gotta go back in time
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah that's history for you yeah so yeah and that's what they're discussing because you see there was a problem after acquiring shall we say the colony from the dutch yeah uh Britain was finding out that uh, a lot of people who actually lived in the region were were not very happy about this colony.
0: A lot of people think that, don't they? They get really annoyed when you just invade their
1: home. Yeah, I know, I know, it's strange. But anyway, <laughs> that, that's what was going on. Anyway, for decades, the Dutch and then the British had uh, fought... The uh, Zosa, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Now, in fact, the the time we're in, in around 1818, there's been fighting in this region for 40 years. Oh, wow. Um, and as this is sometimes known as the African 100-year war, you can perhaps figure out that the fighting's not stopping anytime soon. <laughs> no, no. Although impressively, this uh, these series of wars last from 1779 to, considering it's called the Year War, guess when it ends? Ah, uh, 1879? Yeah, yeah, it actually does. Oh, wow. It's impressive. That's very yeah, unusual. Yeah, look at that. That is unusual. But anyway, we're not near the end. We're about 40 years into this, and uh, the British government want to do something about the fighting. Right. So they're mulling this over, like they do. They're ruling over a, a majority Dutch colony that was fighting with the African tribes. So, so what to do? How could they uh, de-escalate the tension?
0: Uh, send the army in and kill everyone. That's the British way.
1: Uh, Well, that is the British way, but they decide to do something slightly different here. It's uh, ingenious. Yeah, let's send over a whole bunch of British people and encourage them to settle between the Dutch and the Zosa. Uh, Like a buffer state. (laughs) Yeah, that'll work. I mean, after all, we're having a bit of a population boom over here, they said (laughs) to each other. But the whole, like, industrialisation that's just started. So uh, let's get rid of some of... um our less desirable types send oh. them over to Africa. Win-win, fewer people over here, less tension over there because obviously that will work. Yeah, yeah.
0: more invaders. Is it a bit like an Australian thing where they're just, we're just going to send all the, the criminals?
1: No, 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 not quite that. What was decided in 1819 uh, was that the Cape Emigration Scheme would be launched uh, the, the British government spent a whopping £50,000 back then uh, to push the idea that British people should perhaps move to the Cape. <laughs> just go just on and go over there. It's 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 going to be brilliant. Yeah. It's the land of milk and honey, uh, everything you could ever want. Yeah. Like, escape from the, the dreary, drizzery, yeah. new That's that the word, is, uh, yeah that is britain yeah
0: the, the dirt paths are lined
1: with gold yeah, exactly it's amazing anyway the scheme widely popular like far more popular than they could have imagined it was hugely popular uh, for just a deposit of 10 pounds per person or 10 pounds for a family or if you were under 14 and on your own yeah it was just two pounds for a deposit wow for, for that basically you got a ticket to the To a new world, see that which was not full of starving factory workers.
0: Yeah, no, that that does sound okay. But for ten pounds then was a lot of money. It's like a couple of months' wages, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You'd have to save up for that, but you're not finding it in your back pocket. But still, brand new world where you're not starving. That sounds good. Hell yeah! Not only that, you were given a whole chunk of land. I believe is how they put it. (laughs) Uh, That's what the posters said. (laughs) Um, Get yourself a chunk. Chunk or two, yeah, I mean, yeah. You had to work for three years, but once you'd done that, the land was given to you, and there you go. You had your farm. Well, it's a bit like um did in the
0: states, uh, the US, uh, in America. In America, when they first travelled over, so you'd work on
1: land, wouldn't you, for a while? Yes, exactly. We have seen this before in some of our earlier episodes. This idea that you'd just be shipped over for for a nominal fee, um and the idea is that. You just make something of yourself, and the the population start to be built in the colonies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I say, hugely hugely popular. Literally tens of thousands of families applied to go. Oh, I bet uh, the the government's been rubbing their hands. Are brilliant. Well, the the upper estimate is ninety thousand applications came through. Yeah. Uh, many of them had covering letters explaining that they needed this because if they didn't get it their family were going to starve to death. Ah. Yeah, things were rough in England at this time. And uh, here at last we see the Norton family. Yay. Yes, John and Sarah Norton. They were residents of a town in Kent, um, Deptford, to be precise, <laughs> uh, which London has since swallowed this. In fact, it, it now seems fairly central London. It's not actually that far from Tower Bridge. It's right. sort of Isle of Dogs area okay. near the Millennium Dome. But back then it was outside of London because London just wasn't Yet. anyone in as big back then. But anyway, they were living there, and they were down on their luck. Uh, they, they didn't have much to their name. What they did have was two small boys. One was called Louis, he was about four, and the other was Joshua, and he was about two. Joshua is the one we're talking about today. Ah. Joshua is Emperor Norton. <laughs>
0: Emperor, Emperor Josh Norton. <laughs> Yes. It hasn't got much regality to it, has
1: it? It's, no, I mean, it's, it's interesting that he became Emperor Norton and not Emperor Joshua. Yeah. In fact, I, I read in one book he's the only emperor in history to take his surname rather than his first name, so... Uh,
0: well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. There you go. Anyway, at this time, he's just a young little kid, two years old. Oh. Uh, there's a chance he was born in Scotland... Um, because someone said he was born in Scotland, but there's no way to confirm that. It seems more likely he was born in London. Uh, but either way, at this time, he's two years old. He's in London. It's a poor family. Yeah. Now, the Norton's heard about the chance to go to the Cape and they applied, along with literally tens of thousands of other people, hoping that their lives would be better in the colonies. It can't be any worse than it is here. That's well, essentially their thought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll soon find out. Um, Sarah was pregnant when they found out the good news. Ooh, they brilliant. had been selected. Yay! A total of 4,000 people would be going on around 25 ships.
0: Out of 90,000?
1: Yeah, yeah. they didn't good. have that much chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah they got lucky. Wow. They, got a, they got tickets. Now, they became known as the 1820 settlers. Uh, the Nortons were actually due to leave in December 1819, uh, but the Thames was iced up, so they were delayed for over a month. Mm-hmm. But in early 1820, off they go on their way down to the Cape of Good Hope. I mean, it's taken ages. Yeah, it's, it's a notoriously difficult trip by boat, this one. Mm. Uh, it lasted uh, three months to get there. Ooh. Yeah, by the time they did get there, Sarah had given birth to their third boy, little Philip. Oh. So uh, that can't have been pleasant.
0: No, no. Oh, no.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it can't have been the nicest of trips, uh, but I imagine a routine soon set in. Essentially, you had um, all the people like the Nortons who had managed to get themselves a ticket and were on the boat. Yeah. Uh, And then you had someone in charge. They were usually from uh, the higher classes of society. They were the ones who were going to leave a group of families over. Uh, They were going to keep hold of the deposits, organise the settling of the land, and essentially become the aristocracy over there. That was the idea. And very trustworthy, I assume. Oh, yes, of course. Some of them were. (laughs) Uh, The Nortons got unlucky. Uh, The ship (laughs) they were on uh, had 102 families on it. Wow. And, uh, yeah, uh, the man... Who was in charge of their group was named Thomas Wilson, and he wasn't the most honest of men, no. unfortunately. No, no, uh-huh. he uh, decided to just um, charge a higher deposit than he was supposed to and pocket the cash. Oh. So, uh, yeah, extra charges were suddenly levied on everyone who wanted to go. <laughs> Um, he also set himself up as the lord of the manor type, uh, wow. suggesting that the families were going to be working for him. He really went in hard on this idea that he was the aristocracy and everyone else were the plebs. Well, um, it, well,
0: I guess people like him, though, they're, they're living their dream now in this kind of situation. Kind of like, I've always wanted to this. Yeah, it.
1: but there, there's a way to do it. I mean, this it, is essentially how it was going to play yeah. out, but I mean, you shouldn't be saying it and rubbing it in the family's faces. and yeah, not on what the ship there. over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Thomas uh, Wilson didn't endear himself to the families, and soon arguments broke out. Uh, this led to discontent, and as soon as they arrived in the Cape... Region Wilson just abandoned his settlers and headed back to Cape Town oh. to try something else. No, yeah, yeah. So the Nortons arrive in the new land uh, and they settle down into a town of tents because some of the other ships had already arrived and it just turned into this big tent village, like a shanty town. Yeah, essentially, we know that the. Um, other rich leader families had privileged quarters above the rest of the tents and they spent their time talking to the local officials so the the british officials who were already over there who had been organizing this Uh, we also know from letters that they wrote that they generally relaxed around this time they went out on boats so they chilled out they just drank tea, uh, but oh, we don't I'm really good. know what the likes of the Nortons got up to. Drank tea? I'm guessing they just sort of hung around, waiting to be taken to their land. Yeah. And eventually, a whole bunch of wagons arrive. Oh, brilliant. All the families get on their wagons, and they set off on a journey that lasted about a week or two depending on exactly where they were going because all the families were going to slightly different places yeah. but uh, yeah i mean the region it's big it takes a while to get places and obviously the infrastructure's not there but off they go uh, the, the countryside was very beautiful yeah uh, there are lots of letters about how uh, lush everything looked <laughs> and how fertile everything looked Everything looked healthy. Everything looked like it was going to grow really well. It reminded them of the British countryside. It, it looked like the kind
0: of place where people hadn't been and destroyed everything and just looked pleasant.
1: Yeah, Place you could really start a farm and succeed. Uh, what they didn't realise is that an unusual amount of rain had just fallen over the last couple of weeks. Ah. <laughs> uh, so everything had just suddenly grown. Uh, this was quite unusual. Um, oh dear. And they also occasionally passed burnt out settlements. Oh. Uh, just evidence that people had tried to live there before and it had <laughs> not worked. <laughs> But they try not to think about that too hard. Do you, do you think my like little Joshua's just,
0: just crawling along a dirt road, just picking up this... Femur bone from a from an old old person, just <laughs> knocking against a rock kind of thing. Poor little Louie using
1: the skull as like a drum. Well, Louis might have recognised what was going on slightly. Joshua, being two years old, really wouldn't have had a clue what was going on. Hence the femur. <laughs> yeah. Now the settlers soon realised that the land they were on just was not suitable for farming. Uh, the tools they got with them weren't good enough to till the stone and clay land that they were on. Even Ooh. if it would have done any good. It It just really was not a great place to start a farm. Oh dear. Yeah. Now, for the first year, strict rules were put in place about where the settlers could go. It's like, no, you're meant to be the buffer. You can't just give up straight away and go and live in Cape Town. But after a while... It just became obvious to everyone This wasn't going to work So most settlers did end up just Heading to the nearest big set- settlements Mostly Cape Town yeah. Um, So yeah The this, the farms didn't pan out That's a shame You may have noticed I've been talking very generally for a while here um, And not about the Nortons in particular Yeah, uh, That's because we don't really know much About what happened to the Norton family We only get little snippets yeah. So we can only get a general view Of what happened to the settlers, but um, most likely they were in this group. I mean, We we can definitely infer that life was hard not going yeah, very well. Exactly. And
0: his pig farm uh, is not doing brilliantly.
1: No, definitely not. Um, I mean, what we do know is that the Nortons did indeed give up on their settlement. Uh, they uh, decided not to farm anymore and like many others, they set off for Cape Town. Yeah. John Norton set up a ship's chandlery. Oh, what? Which is... a. Uh, A ship's chandlery. Oh, of course. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. Yeah, one of them. I'll admit, I looked it up. Yeah. (laughs) I thought, it's like you make candles for ships. Fire hazard. (laughs) (laughs) That seems niche.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, But no, apparently this is just a shop that sold stuff. To ships so sails, uh, cloths, tar, pitch, tallow, lard, rope. twine, rope. Slaves? Uh, no not not slaves oh, just, just just the bits. Good. I, I'm, I'm guessing like mainframes, uh, landlubber. Um, <laughs> hoisting, lots of hoisting. Yeah hoists yeah you, you need your hoist don't you so yeah that that kind of thing. So they had they had their uh, business and the business apparently did very well uh, the family uh, it would appear had a, a few more children um all of them daughters uh, mm. but we hear nothing more about them at least i couldn't find anything else about them apart from more children were born so they either died early or they were sisters <laughs> who don't appear again in the story yeah yeah and joshua uh, grows up in south africa and we know nothing about his growing up uh, we know that when he's around 20, uh, the family are doing quite well. That's good. Um, yeah. We know that Joshua worked for his father for a while and then set up his own business at the age of 22, uh, but it failed. Oh. Yeah. That's uh, we're not entirely certain why his business failed. Uh, but what we do know is that over the next few years or so, despite the initial success of his father's business, things start to go downhill for John. Oh!
0: Don't you think maybe Joshua, like, made his own, like, a Roman emperor shop? And this is the birth of the idea, his idea. Of becoming an emperor. Yeah. But, of course, no one in South Africa wanted to know about Romans, they didn't care.
1: Yeah, maybe that was his business. I just assumed he was getting into, like, the ship business or something. But, no, you're right. I think he got into the emperor business. He sold busts. Yeah, Yeah. That's what he did. Of himself. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes, started early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, the business didn't go well for him. And as like I say, his dad's business starts to fail soon afterwards. Uh, now, by this time, the eldest son, Louis, had moved to another settlement about 500 miles away. And John wrote to his eldest son, confessing that the business was falling apart. Oh, dear. Yeah, I'll quote the letter here. I am totally ruined and lost. Tomorrow, there's another meeting to take place. Oh, dear. I have not one penny in the world. What is to become of me in old age... But I would rather lose all than lead this life I have led for the last three years.
0: P.S. Help!
1: Yeah, it, it really is not going well. Everything's falling yeah. apart. Oh, he's wow. uh, He he writes that he's struggling to pay for the postage on the letter. Um, wow. He wrote another letter a couple of weeks later to Louis also saying, Your brother, meaning Joshua, has been the ruin of all the family. <laughs> he has no <laughs> compassion or remorse. I am more like a dead man than anything else.
0: See, to me, that
1: sounds like daddy asked for money and he said no. Yeah, I mean, we have very little to go on, but it really does sound like Joshua and his father did not get on, and uh, John did not like the fact that his son didn't seem to be helping out at all. Yeah, yeah, so things aren't going well, and no. then they get worse. Oh, dear. Because in 1846, Louis dies. Oh. And then December of the same year, Joshua's mother, Sarah, dies. Oh, no. Yeah. Fast forward a couple more months. Oh. That's Philip gone. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the cost of funerals as well. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, with... Uh, His wife and two of his sons dead. Uh, John takes this hard. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, what little business he had left falls apart completely, as does his health, because a few months later, uh, John dies. Oh, dear. Yeah, I mean, literally within two years, Joshua has his two brothers and his two parents dead. Oh. Yeah, and he inherits uh, just a bankrupt business. Yay, and lots of debt. So he's 30 years old at this point, all alone. He might, like I say, have a couple of sisters at this point, uh, but if he did, they clearly weren't close, because Joshua decides that he's going to make his own way in the world. There's nothing tying him down to Cape Town anymore. Mm -hmm. So uh, what's he going to do? It's 1848. The world is his shellfish. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So... uh, Wow, there's a big today? there's a big patch of land across the ocean. There is now. I I, I give you a hundred ranking points if you remember what's special about 1848. French Revolution. <laughs> Something was discovered in America. Gold rush. Oh yes, because it just so happens that this is the time that gold had been discovered in California. Rob, and Rob a word of Rob, this, Rob. What? what? Can I, I get 50 points for that? No, no, you're not getting that. That was a huge clue. I'll give you ten, and you would be thankful. Okay. Put put them on the chart. Yes. And I'm not actually there to watch you put them on the chart, so I'm going to have to trust that you're putting them on the chart correctly.
0: I definitely only put ten on.
1: Good. (laughs) So, yeah, not... Norton hears that gold has been discovered in California. So he, like many others, decides to go make his fortune in the New World. So he gets on a boat. It seems that he spent some time in South America on the way. It's really unclear. I mean, perhaps his original idea was to go to South America, and then once he was in South America, he heard of the gold rush and decided to head up north. Yeah. Uh, we don't know. But either way, what we do know is that in 1849, he arrives in the docks of San Francisco with nothing but a dream and his plucky go-get-them spirit. <laughs> and a spade. And apparently $40,000. What? Yeah. <laughs> <From> <laughs> we have no idea where this $40,000 comes from. Isn't it? That was, like, back then. Well, uh, we don't know. Um... This $40,000 is referenced in a short essay about Norton that was written in the 1920s, so it could, well, just be made up. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's one of these stories that has stuck, but if you actually look into it, there's no actual evidence that it's true. Uh, it just seems to have been passed down. I mean, if, if he did have $40,000, who knows where he got it from? Because oh, I mean, do you know it would be really the, tragic? If he like found it at the back of his
0: dead dad's sofa i have been there oh
1: damn it and they just didn't think to check yeah oh. well I mean th- this is the uh, conventional story is that he got it from his father uh, but, but- I mean, the business was in ruins. Yeah. Yeah, so... He He could barely afford a letter,
0: despite the two
1: that he sent. Yeah, um, there are some other theories that um, sound fun, that he made some serious money in South America on the way to San Francisco, but no one knows how. Gambling. Yeah, who knows? I mean, maybe he could have done anything. (laughs) <laughs> anything anything at all maybe he became a bounty hunter Ooh. maybe he discovered something Ooh. who knows we just have no idea to be honest it's probably more likely that he didn't have forty thousand dollars <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, i'm leaning towards that but it would appear that he wasn't destitute when he arrived in san francisco he, he wasn't like struggling to eat
0: no uh,
1: he, he arrives in the city uh and he's got something to his name. So here we are. We're in San Francisco in 1849. San Francisco at this time was exploding, literally. Um, possibly. Well, there's all the lots gold of mining, light... yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably lots of dynamite around. Alfred Nobel. Yeah. I, I definitely more mean figuratively here. Right. Uh, in 1848, the population of San Francisco was roughly about a thousand people. In 1849, a year later. The population was around 25,000 people. Oh my
0: goodness, wow.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot more people. Yes. Uh, People from all over the United States, and indeed the world, just like uh, Norton, had come to find their fortune. Mm. Um, As you can imagine, this frontier town was largely lawless at this time. Militias were set up. Occasionally, but they didn't necessarily help things. (laughs) Uh, Lynchings were common, which is fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Unlike the East, where lynchings were almost all inflicted upon the black population, uh, out in the East, lynchings happened against the black population and the Chinese population. Oh so uh yeah <laughs> racism, I like it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, so uh a bit of nastiness was going on. Um also cholera was a huge problem as sanitation was next to nothing. I mean the city was essentially a shanty town. In fact, I've got a quote here of someone describing the city, a mushroom of tents and shanties. If you slipped from the wet slippery planks, you sank to your waist in mud. Nice. Yeah, it's just a big bog of mud basically with tents. That's San Francisco. Um but as you can imagine, um gold is being discovered, so there's a lot of wealth floating around. And that meant that the city was rapidly being converted into like a real city.
0: Yeah, because you you get the banks, you'd get the pubs and bars and brothels, and 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 then you've got you've got culture. Then then things
1: build up even more. Yeah, exactly. And this is happening I- I- extremely quickly. Those who were not actually miners and searching for gold discovered very quickly that the best way to make money was making money out of the miners. And the gold diggers. Yeah. In fact, many had soon realised that waiting for the miners to find gold and then taking it off them was a far more secure way to make money than actually going up into the hills themselves. So like you say, shops, bars, hotels, everything like that just flourish. As did businesses involving real estate, as people rushed to buy the best land. That's
0: a really good point, actually, yeah.
1: And this is where Joshua started to make his fortune. Because once he arrived... He set up the Joshua Norton And company I'm not sure why it was an and company And not just the Joshua Norton company But Yeah that
0: there you go. Maybe. maybe there were other people So Josh Norton and yeah. company Company.
1: Yeah maybe Maybe he, he had some friends Sock puppets or something <laughs> They talk yeah. to me Well uh, he worked in real, real estate And imports Or in other words whatever made money on that day Whatever he could get mm-hmm. his fingers into um and he was very successful uh, according to the uh, essay written about him in 1920 that i referred to earlier yeah his 40,000 pounds that he apparently had turned into 250,000 pounds wow. within 3 years yeah that's an equivalent of making about 8 million pounds oh my goodness t- today Yeah, so he he made himself a millionaire basically wow. within 3 years now modern historians have disputed this But what is indisputed is that he was successful. I mean, how successful he was, uh, who knows. But he was definitely successful in starting up a business. And he soon became one of the richest men in the growing city. Wow. Now, all cities, even brand new frontier cities, uh, have their aristocracy. The the rich knobs. Yeah, exactly. You're going to get them, even in frontier towns, you're going to have those that fill their uh, uh, crust above I I believe it's the (laughs) same. A crust. Yeah, exactly. A crust. Uh, And soon enough, Norton was hobnobbing with some of the rich men coming from the east. Now, obviously, uh, immigrant from South Africa born in england uh, he was hardly going to fit in with them he he wasn't really part of the aristocracy but he had money and he could get things yeah um so he was invited to certain dinners in certain fancy hotels that had just been built
0: i I guess this sort of time period as well was like almost like the birth of the nouveau riche as well people making their money on business rather than through just acquiring it through
1: inheritance yes yes definitely uh we've we've got stock markets being set up and all sorts here Oh definitely ways to make money and Norton figured out how to do it yeah and uh and he soon made friends as rich people often do, yeah, but not only that, Norton was uh quite eccentric, he was uh outspoken. <laughs> And entertaining to talk to, apparently. Hmm. Uh, he had some very strong views, shall we say, <laughs> that would shock and amuse the rich aristocracy of the city, who were living in a world with very little in the way of entertainment. So let's invite Norton over for dinner and he'll amuse us for the evening.
0: So he's essentially a jester.
1: Uh, not really a jester. It was um, more that he'd share his opinions and people would, would find them amusing. Uh, In in particular, uh, he would very loudly complain of the United States government about how slow and unreliable democracy was. Hmm. Uh, He would frequently tell everyone around him time and time again that if he was in charge of the country, he would run it much better. And there'd be none of this Senate business, this stupid democracy slowing everything down. Uh. It would be an empire. (laughs) Yeah. Soon enough, he developed a nickname amongst his new friends, which was... Emperor, Emperor Norton. yeah, he he would be greeted in the street with uh, a half-amused, "How are you doing this morning, Emperor?" and Norton would take this in his stride, smile, and just happily reply, uh, enjoying the joke.
0: Yeah, I, he must he must have loved it. It's a nice, yeah, nice bit of attention. But it's not, you, you know, he probably didn't take it in a bad way.
1: No, no, you you get the feeling he was more than happy to be referred to this way, and he was. Uh, Yeah, he was living the good life, he was rich, he was making friends, Um, he had a nickname, Life is good In fact, it's not long before he starts Making friends in the right places And becoming a member of certain clubs And being given seats on certain committees mm. So, it, Was this due it, to respect in his acumen Or was it due to him being funny? Um, it's hard to tell Because we don't have enough detail uh, I got the sense during the research That people liked being around him And mm. people liked the fact he had money So wow, therefore, yeah. he was occasionally offered a, a seat on a committee. I mean, after all, he had very outspoken political beliefs. So uh, he kept up to date with current affairs. So yeah, why not give him a job on on the committee? Uh, One of the committees he sat on was the Vigilance Committee. Vigilance? Yes. Uh, As mentioned, crime in San Francisco was rife. And those with strong business interests and the money to back it decided to set up the Vigilance Committee just to help enforce the law. I mean, they're not—they're not the law, but they can help out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, Norton was conflicted apparently by this, according to the sources we've got here. He didn't like the arbitrary justice that the committee handed out. For example, four men had been hanged without a real trial. Mm. Yeah, not—not not great. On the other hand, however. He did have a business to look after, and this committee, although a bit heavy-handed, did kind of help the crime go down. So, uh,
0: well, it, it helps it, it go go down, I think, amongst the population, but increase it in other areas.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he was of uh, two minds about the committee, apparently, yeah. um, but uh, he he was on it, but apparently was a restraining voice stating uh. that from from this point on, perhaps criminals uh, should at least get the chance to plead guilty or not guilty in, I don't know, some kind of court <laughs> before we string them up.
0: Yeah, let, let us bring in something like, oh no, Fairness.
1: Yes, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe actually just follow the laws of the United States. Maybe interesting. This that he, he's he's seems to be towing the the line here yeah. uh, of of the laws of the land. But as we'll see in in the future, he's very much um, for stability. Right. Yeah. He he wants things to settle down basically because San Francisco is chaotic and he's trying to run his business.
0: Yeah. Um, That's not unfair.
1: So all in all. Life is good for Norton, but his luck was about to change. Oh. Yeah, because in 1852, halfway around the world in China, there had been a crop failure, and the Chinese government banned the export of rice to keep as much food in the country as possible. (gasps) This is why you put a picture of rice. Yes, yes it is. As you can imagine, news of this spread quickly to San Francisco. Uh, The West Coast uh, had a lot of ties To China Trade So news Quickly arrived In San Francisco uh, Rice is about To be cut off So as you can imagine Rice prices Soared In fact it became Ten times more expensive It just so happens That Norton Had recently decided To expand Into the rice business he, he did all sorts, but um, he was going to make it big and rice, he decided recently. <laughs> um, and he saw his opportunity. I mean, this isn't a problem. This is, in fact, perfect. Because he had connections, he knew some people, and he was able to get ahead of the curve. Yeah. And he managed to set up a deal before... The price has soared, Now his plan was to corner the rice market. <laughs> I mean, we've seen this with gold, yes, um, but this time it's with rice. Well, well
0: they call um, they call rice the white gold. So. Uh
1: yes, yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Norton was putting into contact with someone willing to sell an entire shipload of rice coming in from Peru. As far as Norton could tell, this was the last shipment of rice coming into San Francisco wow. for the foreseeable future. If he owned all this rice, he would essentially own most of the rice in the city. And if he owns most of the rice, he can then control the prices on the stock market connected to rice.
0: I can see a flaw with that, because yeah. what if people just don't buy rice anymore?
1: But if if you're just dealing in the stocks, you can just buy and sell the stocks at the right point.
0: That's true. Yeah,
1: this was this is more complex than just buying the rice and selling the rice. He's, he's yeah. dealing on the stock market as well, and he can control the price of the rice because he'll own it. So he can plummet the stocks by just selling it for less,
0: uh, and the price so, of rice
1: be thrice. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, this this sounds good. Uh, he he purchased the ship of rice for a huge amount of money, but he is going to make ten times more yeah. on his scheme if not. More so, yeah. This this seems like a sure thing. However, <laughs> pretty much the day after he buys the rice, he looks over the bay, and to his dismay, two large ships suddenly arrive. Ah, son Peru. of a
0: <laughs> rice company on the
1: side. Yeah, Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> just just really big <laughs> on the side. Rice is nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, Yeah, these ships, uh, no one's expecting them. They weren't due in, uh, but it was two large ships of rice. All of a sudden, the city had more than enough rice. The price of rice plummeted back to its normal (laughs) level almost immediately and Norton's gamble on the rice market exploded in his face.
0: Well, to be fair, he didn't make a stupid decision. It was, I I think he made a a good business decision. It just didn't pay off.
1: Yeah, he got got unlucky. It was a gamble. It was always going to be a gamble, but it seemed like a safe gamble. But as with all gambles, even safe ones don't pay out occasionally no. so really? yeah so suddenly he owed a lot of money for a ship of rice that was now worth less than he paid for it and all the stocks that he'd been buying up were now worthless damn it yeah now Norton wasn't alone here uh, the market in San Francisco propped up by the gold rush was volatile stories like this one were common businesses boomed and bust uh, regularly but that didn't help Norton knowing that he wasn't alone yeah. Uh, he attempted to get out of the problem by stating that the rice, once it came in, that he did now own, was not a good enough quality. He <laughs> claimed that he had been misled on the goods and therefore he didn't need to pay for it.
0: Claim on insurance.
1: I, not quite insurance, <laughs> no. but essentially I'm not paying and if you yeah. make me, yeah, you're going to have to take me to court if you want me to pay. So he was taken to court. Oh, uh, as you can imagine, her long, protracted legal battles drained even more money and eventually he lost Mm. So, yeah Up until 1856 We know very little about his life Apart from mentions of him losing legal battles uh, Against him When people were suing him for non-payments of contracts yeah. Basically his, his business just collapses like dominoes Everything falls apart And he ends up having to claim for bankruptcy. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, hard time for Norton, as you can imagine. I mean he was he was on the top of the San Francisco Society, uh and now he was ruined. Yeah. Uh, in all, just yeah. a man of matter of months. Now what he did join this time, it's not clear. It would seem that he attempted to start up his business again from scratch, just basically back-to-basics, selling of simple goods. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem to have worked very well. Um, he, he seems to have got really lucky when he first arrived and somehow just managed to make success of himself. But lightning didn't strike twice, mm. and this time it just doesn't work for him. We, we've got records of him staying like in the best hotels uh, in the city, and now all of a sudden he's uh, in low-rent boarding houses, scraping Ooh. by. That's never good, is it? Yeah. Now, on top of this, uh, the city was still struggling to become an ordered, respectable place to live. And also, on the East Coast, the rest of the country were mostly dealing with the looming Civil War that was starting to take grip.
0: Oh, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah. And now, we finally get to the reason why Norton became famous and why we're doing an episode on him. Ooh. Because after several years of obscurity, of uh, really not seeming to do much... Um, on the 17th of September in 1859, Joshua Norton entered the San Francisco Bulletin office, the, uh, the newspaper office, and he had a piece of paper in his hand. What? And he handed it over to one of the people who worked for the newspaper. And I will read what it said. Oh, brilliant. At the peremptory request of a large majority of the citizens of these United States, <laughs> I, Joshua Norton formerly of Algoa Bay, Cape of Good Hope, and now for the last nine years and ten months past of San Francisco, California, declare and proclaim myself Emperor of these United States. And in virtue of the authority therefore in me vested, do hereby order and direct the representatives of the different states of the Union to assemble in the musical hall of this city on the first day of February next... There and then to make such alterations to the existing laws of the Union as may ameliorate the evils under which the country is labouring, and thereby cause confidence to exist both at home and abroad in our stability and integrity. Signed, Norton the <laughs> First, Emperor of the United States.
0: Oh, that is fantastic.
1: Yep. Aww. He just passed that to someone working in a newspaper Aww. and said publish this, this is my proclamation.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Well, I mean, the, the the man working in the San Francisco Bulletin seeing something that would sell their paper. Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> what, what on earth's this? Okay. Yeah, well, they were more than happy to, to look at this somewhat bizarre proclamation from someone who used to be someone in the city. Yeah. So they came up with the headline, Have we an emperor among us? And <laughs> then they started the article... The world is full of queer people. (laughs) This forenoon, a well-dressed and serious-looking man entered our office and quietly left the following document, which he respectfully requested we would examine and insert in the bulletin. Promising him to look at it, he politely retired without saying anything further. And then after that, they just published the proclamation in full. Oh, brilliant. And so began the reign of Emperor Norton. Oh, fantastic. Yes, over the next twenty-one years. Wow! Yeah, Norton would become a cross between a, a essentially a film star, <laughs> slash actual royalty, slash a tourist attraction for San Francisco. Now, because of this, there were a lot of stories about Norton that's simply not true, uh, yeah. and the real man has been lost to the myth. But I'm going to attempt to go through uh, roughly what happens and what actually happened in his life. Uh, but the details are, are surprisingly sketchy, despite the fact he became quite famous. Hmm. Um, the first thing on the emperor's agenda was international affairs. Oh, yes. Because when representatives of the different states did not appear in the musical hall on the 1st of February, yeah. uh, much to, to everyone's disgust, yeah. Norton decided to turn his attention to France and their current emperor, Napoleon Third. Y- y- yeah. Well, Napoleon III was currently attempting to set up a new monarchy in Mexico that would be allied to France. He was doing this while the US were busy fighting the Civil War. Right Now, Norton, who had made his views very clear on how useless the United States government was, also saw the Mexican government as failing its people. So Norton added a title to himself, and in 1861 became Emperor of the United States (laughs) and Protector of Mexico. (laughs) Which is nice
0: Yes This is brilliant So from
1: from now on All of his proclamations From now on Were signed Emperor of the United States And protector of Mexico um, He did eventually Actually give up The protector of Mexico title um, Declaring that Essentially there's no point <laughs> Yeah Yeah, uh, yeah so He just gave up on Mexico <laughs> In the end But for <laughs> quite a long time um, Yeah He was protector of Mexico As well as emperor Of the United States yeah. Um, he delivered another proclamation around this time, uh, announcing that representatives from all states needed to gather to him to discuss what they were going to do about Mexico. Um, but again, unfortunately, I mean, the states were just a bit busy fighting the civil war at this point, so, uh, no one turned up. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. However, despite... Being ignored by the rest of the country, Norton's popularity in San Francisco started to grow. Railroads had not made it to the city yet. Uh, Mail was understandably slow coming across the country. Yeah. Uh, So therefore, news was very slow. And therefore, entertaining stories about the local characters were hugely popular. Uh, And Norton was fast becoming one of the more popular of the characters the city had developed. In fact he'd become even more popular than Oofti Goofy. Who? Oofti Goofy. Oh of course. Yeah. Yeah. What? Well Oofti Goofy was a, a circus performer who would charge people to hit him with a club because he could not feel pain. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so he he was quite popular in the city God, apparently. I bet he was, yeah. <laughs> Pay him a quarter or something, hit him with a club, and then there you go. That's brilliant. Also popular in the city at this time was George Washington II. What? Uh, This was a man more similar to Norton, as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, This this was uh, a man who looked a little bit like Washington, so started dressing up like him. (laughs) Like the... uh, the hat and the, the, the wig and the powder and everything.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, so he dressed up like Washington, was known as Washington the Second, and also ran a phrenology shop. That's where you measure heads, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh, <okay. laughs> You've just got a man dressed up like George Washington just measuring people's heads. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so he was around at the time. This led to some tensions. Uh, Emperor Norton and George Washington the Second unfortunately did not get on. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I love that. Uh George Washington the 2nd uh thought himself a bit of a ladies man and um claimed that Emperor Norton was jealous of him. It is possible, although I couldn't get clarified that uh, Emperor Norton banished George Washington the 2nd from the city. Um <laughs> I, I definitely read that somewhere, but there are a lot of things about uh, Emperor Norton that are just not verified, so I can't tell you for certain if that happens. I, I bet um, it
0: did. The thing is, it probably did. It just didn't hold any legal <laughs> ground.
1: Well, George Washington II did uh, eventually leave San Francisco and headed off to New York. Yeah, still very bitter with Emperor Norton. So, um, oh, he was, yeah, he did actually leave. Yeah, he did leave. Oh. <laughs> whether, whether it's because he was banished from the by the emperor or not, I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, Washington did leave. I oh, was leaving anyway. So yeah, uh, essentially, to begin with, everyone just thought, yeah, this is a bit of fun. Uh, but it slowly started to dawn on the population of San Francisco that Emperor Norton wasn't just another character with mad ideas because. He started writing his proclamations about the city and about more local things. And people started to think, actually, what he's saying makes a lot of sense. Oh. These are not these are not the ravings of a madman. I mean, okay, he's claiming that he's the emperor, and he occasionally says that everyone needs to come to him. But the proclamations he, were write- he was writing made sense. And a lot of people started to say... Yeah, actually, no, that would be good, wouldn't it? A lot of them were about getting rid of corruption in government, about how corrupt democracy was. Yeah. Which, uh, Which, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And as we have seen in the President's series, in the main series, uh, we're we're entering the 1870s here, and we're starting to get to the Gilded Age. And yeah, things are really quite corrupt at this time. He also wrote wrote several proclamations um, about the black population, in the region, about how they should be allowed to use public transport and attend public schools. Uh, it also decried the tr- treatment of the Chinese population, uh, in particular how they were not being allowed to testify in court. In fact, I'll quote the proclamation this time, the eyes of the emperor will be upon anyone who should cancel any outrage or wrong on the Chinese. So, Wow. Yeah. Uh, he talked about the corruption in the Indian Affairs Department about how the agents were all corrupt and just making money out of making misery for the Native American population. Yeah. He also announced that women should be allowed to vote. What? That's crazy ideas. I know. That's I know. insanity. I know. He also wanted a bridge to be built over the bay. A bridge? A big, massive, oh, massive bridge. I bet he, w- what colour did he want it painted? Pro- uh, probably red or something. What? I don't know. Yeah, I, but um, they may give a different name like Golden or something though. Ah, oh, in- <laughs> <laughs> well, there ha- there have been uh, petitions to have the Golden Gate Bridge uh, named the Emperor Norton Bridge oh, because oh, brilliant because he did uh, write a proclamation declaring that it needed to be built. It is pretty much the only proclamation he ever wrote that actually got enacted and it was nothing to do with him. Oh. It's just <laughs> people eventually realised actually, yeah, a bridge would be a good idea there. Oh. Um, but yeah, many people in San Francisco were reading these proclamations and found themselves nodding their heads as they read them. I mean, yeah, the guy's a bit strange and it's all a bit fun, but he's, he's got some decent ideas. And not only that, when they met him in the streets, uh, they found him to be actually quite likable and uh, fun to talk to. In fact, I'll quote uh, someone who met him here. He is a good conversationalist and from having free access to all libraries and reading rooms, keeps well posted on current topics. He will talk readily on any subject and his opinions are usually very correct, except when relating to himself. (laughs) he is more familiar with history than the average citizen and his scientific knowledge though sometimes mixed is considerable of evenings he may be found in the theater or the lecture room a cool observer and an attentive listener so yeah there you go that's pretty positive yeah people start listening to what he's saying yeah Uh, In fact, it's not long before he was a recognisable figure in the city and it was not hard to spot him. (laughs) What did he wear? Well, during the Civil War, near the start of his reign... Uh, he <laughs> alternated <laughs> He alternated between uh, A uniform from the north And then a uniform from the south uh, We do have photos of him Wearing both uniforms So it appeared wow. that he did actually do this Why? Yeah, he, he, uh, well he claimed he was completely impartial to the war Oh then don't wear any military garb Surely uh, He's an emperor though He's got to wear something uh-uh. so, <laughs> so yeah So he just alternate between the two, uh, two uniforms But after the war He mainly wore a uh, quite often shabby blue uniform with gold epaulettes and a tailcoat. 21 years is a long time to reign, so as you can imagine, (laughs) his uniform became shabby uh, over time. Uh, We have four recorded incidences of uh, people buying a new uniform for him. Uh, The fire department of the city got him a uniform once. The city itself actually bought him a uniform, which is the only time he officially received anything uh, from the government. And just private business owners chipped together to buy him uniforms a couple of times. So, yeah, his uniforms got replaced, which is nice. Uh, So, you're probably wondering just what 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 are his days like uh, when he's raining and he's not writing his proclamations? Well, according to the popular myth that built up, Uh, his days were like this. In the morning, he would wake up, read the newspapers, and get a sense of what was going on. He'd then don his uniform, ceremonial sword included. (laughs) He would then walk outside and be greeted by a, a florist who would daily give him a flower that he'd wear on his lapel. He would then go on a walk and conduct his inspection of the city. (laughs) He would take note if anything needed doing in the city, any repairs needed doing to anything, or if he noticed a a citizen in distress, he would talk to them. Then in the afternoons, he would go to the library where he would either write a proclamation for that day or if there was nothing that needed to be proclaimed, he would play chess (laughs) or read. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then, in the evenings uh, Particularly in the latter years uh, He would go to a fancy restaurant And then go to the theatre, both free Apparently, opening nights of plays Would often reserve a box for him and uh, restaurants that enjoyed his custom would place up a sign to announce that the emperor ate at their establishment. Oh. Yeah. Um, However, it should be said, this is the popular myth of his life. Yeah. This is all the the shiny fun bits. Uh, In real life, it's far more likely that his days looked more like this. Uh, He woke up in his rundown boarding house. He had a small room that he paid for day by day, because he he did not have any money at all. Mm. Um, He would read the papers, and then he'd wander around the city until he went to the library, where he would write a proclamation or play chess or read. Then, in the evening, he'd go out and see if he could get a free meal, or perhaps a free trip to the theatre. And sometimes he would. I mean... The the stories of him eating in restaurants and them putting up signs appears to be true. It did happen. And also boxes were reserved for him in theatres occasionally. Uh, But this would have been a rarity. It certainly wasn't happening every night. Uh, On the average day, it's far more likely he was uh, turned away.
0: I, I, I get the feeling as well when things were booked for him or signs were put out, it was done in a very mocking way.
1: Well, um there's very little evidence that people were openly mocking him he really does seem to have uh, been taken by the city as almost a mascot okay. um, there there seems to be very little malice a, a lot of tongue-in-cheek a lot of nudges and winks maybe but certainly nothing uh nasty okay yeah or at least nothing that could be seen yeah or nothing that i found We do know, however, that he definitely got turned away from theatres occasionally um, because one day he wrote a proclamation after he was turned away. He was quite annoyed. (laughs) I'll uh, I'll quote this one. The Emperor have his royal prerogatives or close up the theatres. Whereas rebellious subjects take advantage of the absence of our imperial guard and occasionally have the audacity to refuse us admittance to the theatres, now therefore we, Norton I, do hereby command the closing of any theatre which may persist in insulting the dignity of our office by refusing us admittance. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he, he wasn't best pleased when he got turned away. No. No. Conflicts with managers of businesses were not unheard of. In one instance, it led to trouble with the police. In 1867, Norton was in the Palace Hotel, one of the more fancy hotels in the city, uh, reading a newspaper, and probably looking a bit shabby, letting the place down slightly. The person working in the hotel at the time asked him to leave, apparently not realising who he was. (laughs) Norton, obviously, being the Emperor, carried on reading. Of course, he could read in the Palace hotel. So uh, the hotelier uh, called a policeman from the street, who also apparently did not know who who Norton was, and arrested Norton (sighs) on a charge of vagrancy Ooh. the charge of vagrancy was then changed to a charge of lunacy as the policeman realized that norton kept saying he was the emperor <laughs> so after he was arrested the news spread around the city like wildfire and the city flew into an outrage <laughs> the the bulletins of a newspaper that first uh, declared him emperor wrote the following In what can only be described as the most dastardly of errors, Joshua A. Norton was arrested today. He is being held on the ludicrous charge of lunacy. Known and loved by all true San Franciscans as Emperor Norton, this kindly monarch of Montgomery Street is less a lunatic than those who have engineered these trumped-up charges. As they will learn, His Majesty's loyal subjects are fully apprised of this outrage. This newspaper urges all right-thinking citizens to be in attendance tomorrow at the public hearing to be held before the Commissioner of Lunacy, Wingate Jones. This blot, on the record, of San Francisco, must be removed. And then another paper wrote Norton was in his day a respectable merchant And since he has won the imperial purple He has shed no blood, robbed nobody And despoiled the country of no one Which is more than can be said Of any of his fellows in that line (laughs) So uh, As you can see a slight tongue-in-cheek Kind of amused uh, Attitude But you also get the sense that he was liked
0: Yeah Maybe not respected but No, but
1: yeah, definitely. After the outrage from the newspapers and uh, people in the city, the police chief stepped in and released the emperor. Uh, Norton himself issued a full pardon for the arresting officer, which is nice. (laughs) Um, And from that moment on, apparently, all the police officers in the city saluted the emperor whenever he passed. Really? Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, so actually this all turned out well for him. By this point, I mean, the myth behind the Emperor was growing and growing, um, and soon he was appearing in national newspapers, not just in San Francisco. Uh, The stories grew with the coverage, and soon people started to speculate that he actually was royalty. Uh, There was one rumour going around that he was related to Napoleon III, perhaps even his son, even though the dates don't really work out. (laughs) Um, Another rumour went around that he was just pretending to be poor, he was a real royal who was uh, just living amongst his subjects to do do good. Yeah. Uh, Norton did actually start to make some money around this time by selling his own currency. Uh, speculated he did this because he literally had nothing uh, and he needed a way to make money.
0: His own currency.
1: Yeah, so he just started his own currency. I mean, it wasn't much. I mean, they were like $10 uh, bills, but it was enough that it helped support him. Uh, apparently, the notes were considered legal tender by many in the city, and they were actually <laughs> exchanged. <laughs> Brilliant! Yeah, I wonder if you can still get a hold of them. Well, you, you can because they're now worth a fair amount of money. Oh, uh, you're talking yeah. thousands of dollars per note because they're they're quite rare. I mean, to begin with, they weren't actually worth the the price of the paper to. To print on but they're now they're no. quite expensive. So.
0: I just found some pictures online of the dollars. They're probably probably printed as well. No oh, yeah, yeah, I had, yeah. I just thought it might have like a hand read on a on a napkin sort of thing, but they're <laughs>
1: No, no, I mean, good good notes, though. They they're printed and they're signed. It looks like they signed by hand as well. Yes, quite probably. So, yeah, so, the, as I say, the, the myth around him just grows and grows. Uh, proclamations start appearing in the press that were signed by the emperor, but were clearly other people just joining in because everyone started to enjoy it. The famous... One being the proclamation that stated that people would from now on be fined for using the name Frisco instead of San Francisco. (laughs) Um, However, uh, this wasn't actually Norton who did this one, from what we can tell. Uh, This was just someone else. Yeah. So yeah, um, 21 years passed, basically, in this way. Uh, wow. San Francisco embraced Norton, and Norton lived his life. But then, on a January evening in 1880, Emperor Norton suddenly collapsed whilst walking the streets of the city. Wow. Uh, a police officer who happened to be nearby rushed off to find medical assistance, but by the time he returned, the emperor was dead. Ah, Yeah. Uh, his body was placed on a wagon and taken to the city morgue, uh, where it was expected he would be quietly buried because he didn't have any family. However, once the news of his death spread, many businessmen who had known him back in the uh, pre emperor days started to donate money for a funeral. Oh. Um, an autopsy was then conducted... Uh, He didn't need one. It was fairly obvious he died of natural causes, so it would appear that it was simply curiosity to see if there was anything unusual about this uh, man who claimed to be an emperor. Um, They had a look at his brain and everything. Nothing unusual was found. Um, It was discovered it was a heart attack that killed him.
0: Uh.
1: Anyway, two days later, his funeral was held. And over 10,000 people attended. Wow! Yeah, um, upper estimates 30,000. So a lot of people, the streets were completely lined. Um, The funeral itself was held up due to the sheer number of people trying to get closer. Um, Despite the huge crowds, however, um, only 30 people followed the coffin to the resting place. Um, he was lowered into the ground Gravestone was placed That had his name And the title Emperor of the United States <laughs> Awesome One newspaper wrote Perhaps he will rise more than the peer Of the most of them Meaning other emperors yeah. He has a better claim to kindly consideration Than that his lot forbade him To wade through slaughter to a throne And shut the gates of mercy On mankind So there you go. He was deemed to be a very good emperor. Yeah. (laughs) There was no blood on his hands.
0: That's true.
1: Uh, His death made him more popular than ever, as you can imagine, and uh, more people wanted to find out about this man they called emperor for two decades. It was discovered that he lived in a tiny apartment with very few belongings. The rumours that he was secretly rich were clearly not true. He had pictures of several monarchs on his walls, uh, and a, a large hat collection, but that was about it. Apart from that, he had very little else. Um, he had literally a couple of dollars to his name. Wow. That was it. But despite this, Norton's death only encouraged the stories about him. And soon enough stories were being spread that he was engaged to queen victoria secretly and that he corresponded with lincoln during the civil war uh, and other heads of states then in 1934 norton's grave along with all the others in the city were moved to woodlawn cemetery Uh, there was a big mass movement of graves as the city was growing uh so he had a second funeral this one was attended by only two hundred people uh, but it did include a full civic and military honors <laughs> And brilliant <laughs> he received a twenty one gun salute, which is reserved only for the death of presidents so uh wow, there you go that is amazing It's like everyone played along, yeah, that is fantastic and there you go that that's the life of emperor Norton oh, the first that was amazing yeah he's he's an unusual character he is um shall we uh should we
0: rate him but, uh, do you know what though we need to rate him with our emperor. Notes, right?
1: I, I thought about it, I did, uh, but then I decided uh, I'd stick to the uh, American ones. Because, I mean, not only is this a test can we get remote recording to work, um, <laughs> it's also a test to see if series two of American Presidents will work. Because, series two. Um, well, yeah, I know we're a couple of years away of series one. Before series one ends, but I'm very much thinking series two is just more about the people of America, oh. and this would be how the uh, the episodes would go. So uh, I think they should have the same rounds as the president, so we can compare them. Okay. Yeah. We'll so it. anyway, it works. we'll see. We'll see if it works. Let's go into it. Stakesmanship. Okay, statesmanship. Th- this is hard to judge. It is. Uh, because you because... can judge his ideas, but you can't judge his impact. Well, yeah, that's it. No one acted upon any of his proclamations. He was seen as harmless, uh, but uh, he didn't actually change anything. No one's lives were changed because of him. That said, let's go over a couple of things. So um, his proclamations were mostly based around keeping the government stable and free of corruption. So that's good. Um, He believed that democracy was inherently corrupt and that monarchy was the only sensible way to rule, which... uh, yeah. goes against pretty much everyone's way of thinking in America today, but it was not uncommon, the founding of America. If you remember back to our Washington and Adams and Jefferson episodes, yeah. these thoughts were common. In fact, mm-hmm. John Adams had these thoughts. Uh, so, yeah. Um, we're a bit further down the road now, so it was seen as unusual, but um, I don't know if we could uh, take marks off him for that. No. Uh, because He does have a point. Democracy in America at this time was incredibly corrupt. So uh, you can see why he was saying it. Well, yeah. Anyway, uh, his uh, proclamations about big picture government stuff were largely forward thinking. And if they had been acted upon, generally would have been good. (laughs) So that's nice. Uh, That said, there seems to be a tendency to cherry-pick the proclamations that put him into good light when people talk about him. Uh, people tend to just go, oh, he said that women should have the right to vote, or uh, he was uh, arguing on behalf of the Chinese. Yeah. Um, but like almost everyone of the time, he had views that don't sit well today. Uh, for example, he thought... Uh, that for societal unity, that all Chinese people should stop worshipping false idols and become Christian. In fact, I'll quote this proclamation here: um, "I, Norton the First, Emperor of the United States and Protector of Mexico, do hereby command you to appoint some appropriate day to gather your wooden gods and idols and send them to your churches in China, and let America have all the benefits of pure worship." Cool. So,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, he wasn't saying that certain religions were inferior to others he just figured that for social stability everyone should have the same religion america for americans yeah everyone should be american everyone should be the same and, and,
0: um, and, and his view is not I, I can imagine that'd be a very similar view to a lot of people
1: well yeah like i said for the time these these were would have been seen as uh fairly tame views in fact like i said he was actually uh very forward-thinking in many respects. He visited churches and um, synagogues and um, other places of worship and seemed to treat most religions equally. But again, like I said earlier, what goes through almost all his proclamations is this idea of social stability. Yeah, uh, he, he just wanted everyone to, just to calm down so he could make some money, basically. <laughs> so uh, it, it's not all um, proclamations of... Everyone should get along and be nice to each other. Yeah, uh, but that said, I'd say it mostly is. Yeah, it, he comes across as a nice guy mm. generally. Um, but how do we judge him here? Because um, none of his proclamations were acted upon. Everyone ignored them. so Well,
0: I, I mean, I mean, my my view would be, I the o- the only way because he pretty much scores zero on everything. So I think because he's not president he never was yeah we should perhaps judge him on what his views were
1: i think if we are moving forward and we're thinking about season two and how we're going to be judging other people i think statesmanship should not necessarily be what did you do on in an official capacity yes it should be more what did you do to improve the united states ah. which a lot of non-presidents will be able to get points for i'd argue he's not getting much in this round
0: no, I, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go with that. But it's a shame because he, he sort of did, he had ideas that would have been brilliant.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to give him nothing no. because I would argue that in his small way, he did improve the United States because he was <laughs> spreading some decent ideas that yeah. people shouldn't be horrible to each other. But yeah, I, I can't give him a huge amount of points. I'm going to go for three for effort i
0: i think that's a nice score i think three is good I, I i shall match that
1: okay and it's six for statesmanship next round this is okay um there's really not much to go on here uh um, because no, I, I,
0: I i i mean thinking back to emperor rankings we do it on a program crazy and i don't think was crazy i think it started off as a publicity thing
1: oh we're, we're going to that slightly in the next round. Yeah. Because um, there is something to be said uh, for that. So hold that thought. But as for uh, Disgracegate, um, all I've really got, his father didn't like him. Um, and he seems, if we read between the lines, to be partly responsible for his family's financial ruin. Uh, but we don't really know. Uh, we've got next to no details, so who knows. But there definitely seems to be that problem with his family. And that is literally all I could think of. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, some of his proclamations don't sit too well nowadays, uh, like the one I read in the last round. Yeah. Um, but I mean that is in a, a huge minority, most of them are actually better than what you'd expect for the times. So I, I don't think I can give anything for that. No, that's fair. Are you thinking anything here? Uh, not really. Uh, I'm have to go with zero. Yeah, I'm going to go zero as well. Okay. He, he's definitely doing better than some presidents so far. Yes, yes, yes. Well done, Emperor. I see
0: Silver
1: Well, I'll sum up very briefly here because obviously we've had the whole episode today. So we've literally just gone through it. But how how would a miniseries or a film? I'm thinking more film for this than miniseries. Yeah, but it'd be really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we've got um, Born in England and then Off to South Africa, Financial Ruin. Uh, then off to California, makes a fortune, loses a fortune, declares himself emperor, and then becomes beloved by the entirety of San Francisco. Hmm. However, the myth is not the reality, and he probably had quite a hard life most of the time, which just makes it even more interesting.
0: Yeah, see, I, I think a miniseries would be perfect for this. Because you yeah. first episode would be the, the travel and the journey, and the, again, South Africa, going, oh my goodness, this is all terrible. Next episode, him going to America, finding his way. Then it building up, but it'd be nice to show sort of like a one episode being his perceived view, or <laughs> yeah. not maybe not his perceived view, but the the view of the newspaper, the, everything we've got now, yeah. to reality, like almost like a comparison. That'd be quite interesting.
1: Well, you now again you hit upon what we've not really talked about at all in this episode, uh, which might surprise some listeners, and that obviously is the mental state of joshua norton um what what was going on um now there's far more to be found by historians and journalists speculating on the mental health of norton than there is biographical information yeah i had to sift through the speculation on his mental health to find the the stuff for the biography section, Uh, people from the 1880s to present day have all speculated on uh, whether he was just simply mad or they've created a specific diagnosis for him or they've claimed he was just going along with the tide. Almost all of the speculation, in particular the more recent speculation, uh, just ends with a we don't know, we can't be certain.
0: Which is accurate.
1: (laughs) Yeah. In fact, uh, here's one quote from a psychiatrist, Eric Liss, Norton most closely meets criteria for delusional disorder. He appears to have experienced one firmly held, encapsulated delusion that lasted for decades, while his functioning was otherwise arguably unimpaired. However, from the available information, we cannot rule out the possibility that Norton did not have a psychotic disorder at all, but rather was a charismatic trickster. Mm -hmm. Uh, That pretty much sums up pretty much everyone's take which is yeah. yeah maybe he was delusional but maybe he wasn't we can't tell because we can't now, i didn't speculate on the join uh, the biography because i don't think it really makes that much of a difference to the biography but what i will say is that it does make a difference to this round because it really will affect how you portray him on screen i
0: i i think i think he went along with it to start with then you know, just got used to it and then sort of expected certain things because of he had a certain view of people around him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think it was very much contrived.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously... We're fully in the land of speculation here, but yep. if any of you listen to our Roman series in particular, we we've set up camp in the land of speculation. <laughs> We're
0: camping in it.
1: Yeah, a little fold-out stove. And... Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to be in the land of speculation for a bit. Um, and I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to, uh, from everything I read, I got the feeling that he just went along with this yeah. and it grew and it grew. But as with most things. It's very hard to stop being something if you constantly say you are that person.
0: Oh, exactly, yeah.
1: So I I did um, read one interesting article speculating. uh, It's like, it's impossible to say that he had mental health problems because it did not impact him negatively in any way. So how could you say it was a mental health problem? Uh, Which is a very good point, I found.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. So anyway, um, as for the silver screen, though, I I don't know. I'm not sure like, what would be like more of, interesting. I, I see.
0: I'd like the idea of a, uh, like a revolution of him. Oh, I could say this. Like him realizing, I could, I could just do this. Look at look, look at where he was as well. California, no laws, no rules. Really, he could literally do what he wants, and then yeah, became okay. a circus act.
1: Well, I, I I think I'd start with the the nickname of Emperor that his friends mm. gave him when he was rich and how he liked it, and then he just kind of rolled with that. But then I think what I'd do as the last couple of episodes are there, make it very unclear to the audience yes. whether he believes it himself or not. Yes. And that way the audience will have to decide because you don't want to shove things down the audience's throat. I would, uh, I
0: would also hide how poor he is until the last half of the last. Ooh. I'd hide. Yes, yeah,
1: so and make it look like he's making a fortune. Yeah. But then after his death, it's a reveal. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's quite nice. I mean,. Hideous in real life, but yeah. dramatically good. So, um, scores for Silver Screen.
0: I think it's fascinating. I'd give him a good eight.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm like 10. No. I, I must admit, I, I, I went into this research more blind than I've gone into pretty much anyone, apart from some really obscure Roman emperors. Uh, I, I knew it, there was a man who declared himself emperor, uh, <laughs> and that was all I knew when I started typing up my notes uh so when i got to the point where i got to his 21 year reign i must admit i was disappointed there were fewer stories Uh, i was hoping for a bit more Uh, but that said it's still a fascinating life i'm 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 gonna join your eight i think i think eight's a good score for this total 16 then 16 right
0: (laughs) see this is where it gets tricky
1: this is where i uh Use the power of technology. Oh, uh, because coming <laughs> through your phone right now is a picture of Emperor Norton.
0: Oh, I've got a beat. There you go. Oh, oh, look at him brandishing that. Well, he's not brandish here, but look at him gripping his sword
1: now obviously there's no official photo or official painting so what i did is i just went for the uh the photo that is full length so you can see all of him but yeah quite quite short and stocky yeah military uniform um like um goatee is that the right word yeah it's it's a big goatee though it's like one of the old-fashioned it's just on the front of his face but it's big looks like like a schnauzer weasel dogs Right, okay. Uh, he's got a big sort of top hat with massive feathers on, ceremonial sword. Uh, his trousers are a bit too big and baggy for him and look a bit shabby. And, he, and he's uh, clearly standing next to a prop and
0: a painting in the background. <laughs> yes, Like right yeah. outside. I can see the skirting board.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the fact that we've been looking at all these uh, president. Uh, paintings where they're painted in these very Roman settings and here is a photo of just a sort of paint, like backdrop of a sort of Roman villa yeah, setting. Yeah. Similar um, to Tyler though. Oh, yes, it? I was going to say, he reminds me uh, of Tyler in the fact that he's got that military uniform and he looks really shabby. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Oh, sorry, Taylor, not Tyler. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, which I should probably say, and, and uh, I apologize. In our uh, Corona update mini 10 minute episode that we released the other day, we both said Grant for the guy who got shot yeah. instead of Garfield. Yeah. In my defense, I was still quite ill when we recorded that. So but that's I, 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 that.
0: I replied to everyone and said, yeah, we realized that afterwards. But when
1: we didn't, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, score.
0: (laughs) I kind of like the sort of rough edge. It's quite nice. Um, It it seems very
1: early Hollywood, doesn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, And I sort of appreciate it because I quite like early Hollywood stuff. Um, I'm going to give it a seven, I think.
1: Yeah. um, The fact that you can see the skirting board makes it brilliant. I'm going to bump that up to an eight. (laughs) Really? I'm going eight. Yeah. No, I like it. It's a good luck.
0: That's total of 15.
1: Divided by four. 3.75 for canvas ability. Bonus. Okay, here we do have uh, a slight problem with the way we do the rounds, because obviously yeah. he doesn't have any terms. Um, and if we're doing other people, it's like we could say we should give him points for 21 years uh but other people don't have any kind of rule that we might be doing we divide Can um, we divide it by four well the problem is if we do other people who don't have anything like a rule uh how would we do that for terms so for the bonus we're just going to keep the assassination round. we've just had a discussion i'm going to cut most of that out because <laughs> uh we we can't think off the top of our heads no. um Two other bonus rounds are just out of two and are not subjective. So we're just going to keep assassination, and no one tried to kill him, so he gets no points for bonus. Yeah, unfortunately. So we can get his total score, then. Um, He has got...
0: Uh, 25.75. Not bad. I mean, not great, but not bad.
1: (laughs) I'm just gonna have a look uh at which presidency he beat.
0: <laughs> Brilliant! Oh, I hope it's like Washington or something. That'd be amazing.
1: He beat John Adams. Did he? Oh. He he, he beat Thomas Jefferson. Um. He beat Jackson, Van Buren, Harrison, Tyler. Obviously, he beat Polk. He wow. beat Taylor. He beat Fillmore and Pierce. Buchanan again. Obviously, didn't beat Lincoln. Um, he beat Johnson.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, he beat Hayes. Oh. oh. He'd be happy. Oh, yeah, Hayes would be more than happy with that. Uh, he beat Garfield. Uh, and he uh, beat Arthur and Cleveland. Yeah. And Benjamin Houghton. He beat most people, is what I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> that's a pretty high score there. Uh, so he should be pleased with that.
0: Oh, can we do something else before we go on to the. American. Oh, yeah, got them. Uh, can we compare him against Roman emperors?
1: Uh, these scores don't really line up, though. Do no, they
0: like. don't line It doesn't matter. we <laughs> Like, just. Uh, he's an emperor. I think we need to compare him against other emperors.
1: Okay, that's a good point. I mean, the scores don't line up, but let's, let's just do it anyway. Did he beat Augustus, is what I really want to know. He did not beat Augustus, oh, uh, but. So close. <laughs> um, Caligula scored 25.73. Oh! So, uh. So wow. you just be Caligula Oh my God! There we go. Right. Okay. But we do have one important question we need to ask. Oh, true. American
0: or American? Ah, uh, I, 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 genuinely think so.
1: Well, you don't get more American than an English South African declaring <laughs> uh, <a> <laughs> himself emperor. It's that the American is, dream. That is <laughs> yes, yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> I mean he 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 lived the american dream. He turned up, he made himself from nothing, he won it all, he lost it all, he became emperor. I mean yes. that that's the dream plus more. It is. That's like yeah. the dream waking up deciding to have another nap and then your dream gets a bit freaky. Yeah. yeah. That's what that is. So yeah, I mean I'm definitely saying yes. I'm saying yes, yeah. That's a definite yes from me. Oh, um, for me. That's from me as well.
0: Okay. Can, can we just end the episode as well? On um, was, I've I've just popped onto uh, Wikipedia as well because um, they tried to like like you said they tried to name the bridge after him. Yeah. Um, the Emperor Norton Bridge as honorary name for the. Bay Bridge. Um, currently, the organisation hopes to sponsor a legislative re- resolution that would take effect in 2022 at the 150th anniversary of Andrew Norton's proclamations of 1870.
1: Oh, it's, it's still going. So there might They're be, still
0: trying to make it happen. So there is a chance he might get a, a bridge or part of a bridge named after him in San Francisco. Part of a bridge? Yeah. They tried to name a section of it after him because they do that, apparently.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, I remember reading that bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay, so if you're listening, uh I don't know, um, write to uh your congressman, your senator. I mean, they probably have some things going on at the moment that they're quite busy with, but, but nothing's is important. To yeah, they do. We need we need the Emperor Norton Bridge. Yes. That's what we need. Okay, right. Well there we go. That's our special Emperor Norton episode. I hope you enjoyed learning about Emperor Norton. I did. Good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> right. And uh, hopefully the sound quality for this works and uh, we've got a decent episode on our hands. Fingers crossed.
0: Oh, keep your fingers crossed. Uh, but, but thank you for your patience as our listeners, for our delay in recording for lots of reasons. But um, if we're yeah. successful, we, we know we can continue this, can't we?
1: Yes. Uh, if, hopefully, we will be back on normal, regular schedule with actual presidents and emperors soon, as long as this works. Uh, and we'll also look into um, improving the sound quality even further. Um, that's the plan anyway. So, um, thank you very much for listening. I hope you are all washing your hands and you're all safe.
0: Yes. Don't forget you can download us at Podbean and iTunes. Um and, and like Rob said, keep safe, wash your hands, etc. Stay inside, just stay inside. Don't be, don't try and be a hero. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to yeah. go out and buy a kebab. They'll do deliveries now, it's fine.
1: Yeah, it's fine, it's all good. Right, okay then. Um, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.
0: Mr. <laughs> Emperor, I've come to see the play. Ah, you have indeed. Well, that would be a uh, twelve dollars, please.
1: I, I, beg your pardon.
0: Twelve dollars? Well, sir, you did ask for the box.
1: I, I'm very sorry. I'm not accustomed to paying. You, you do know who I am, Joe. Now, see here, I'm, I, I'm accustomed to coming in for for free. Right. So. No, why would I give you a free box? No, no, no. Who, who are you? Um, um, no. uh, fine, how about I give you the $12? That would be splendid, yes. Right, well, hang on a second. Just, let me just write this down. There you go.
0: Uh, this just says the number 12 on
1: an oak leaf. Oh, yes, yes. 12 Norton Dollars. This is absolutely worthless. It might be worthless now, but I think you'll find in 150 years' time it will be worth approximately $3,500. Ah. Uh, well, in that case, come on in! Excellent. Uh, but, yeah, no, it seemed to go f- fairly well. Um, That's all right. Yeah, you, you happy with that?
0: Yeah, no, it works quite well. And you can't see what I'm doing as well, which is wonderful. <laughs>
1: Um, you do realise you've had the webcam on the whole time, don't
0: you? Oh,
1: yeah. Oh. It's okay. I ignored it. Um, I, I, I took it as uh, your way of uh, trying to just like keep the energy up. <laughs>